Hey guys, how's it going? Hello and welcome to another Quarren stream. I am of course Joe Magician and today we're going to be continuing a little bit from Barristan Selmy last week as we take a look at another one of the POVs that Gurm said he's currently working on in the Winds of Winter. We hope. I'm going to add a we hope to that. And of those, we'll be talking about the Captain of the Guard for House Martell, Arya Hota. Ariel is kind of a strange POV. Only two chapters that are split across a feast for crows and a dance with dragons, and often called the camera that rides or the camera of Dorne. Uh, joining me today for this deep for this deep dive on the Watcher from Norvos is none other than the great and powerful Alicia Kingston. Alicia, how you doing? I am doing well. I, I feel like great and powerful might be two bigger words to describe, <laughs> but I appreciate that confidence. <laughs> And you have a YouTube channel, and um, often yes, if you guys yeah. want to find me, you can search my name, Alicia Kingston. Um, I do have a channel. I will always say though, you catch me on a lot of my friends' channels a lot quicker than you'll catch me on my own. So I'm usually with uh, the Mad Queens, that is Monero Geek TV, Lady Diligence, and uh, Timo, Lisi, and T Baby. Mm -hmm. Um, stream on Monero's channel. So sub to Monero, and that that's you'll definitely catch me there. <laughs> Um, I might have something going on later today, oh. I, a book review with JD the Dragon, mm -hmm. and uh, with uh, Lucifer from uh, formerly known as Drinks and No Things, now Drawbridge Media, we'll be talking about a fantasy book that we love, hopefully. Um, and besides that, I'm, I'm just trying to wake up right now, Joe. <laughs> it <laughs> was a long night too. for AK, and, and her, her eyes are a bit blurry at the moment. At some point... I think uh, everyone you get to see a background of uh, buildings, but she's uh, Alicia's uh, cramming some eggs. So yeah, once we're yeah, done with that, she'll come on camera. Make, make sure that I could I could do this, and I figured you guys didn't want to see that, so I'll be on camera in a couple minutes. In the meantime, enjoy the awesome background with the. Um, is that snow falling? I'm not really sure. Yes, I do. I I have a snow effect that I usually put on. Perfect. And this is a marina that I believe is in Seattle. Ah, okay. That looks pretty cool, the way it's stopping at the top. Um, so before we really get into everything, I uh, just wanted to make sure we do all the normal YouTube things that I've forgotten the last couple of times. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, leave a comment or review if you're watching slash listening on replay. These get put up as audio only podcasts as well. Um, those things actually do kind of help quite a bit with the almighty algorithm. So, you know, slam the like button and all the things. And if you're feeling generous, you can also support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Joe Magician, or leave a super chat here on the live stream for me and Alicia, and uh, we'll read slash answer your questions. Oof. Okay, there we go. Mm, all the YouTube things done. Awesome. <laughs> with that out of the way, let's get back to Aria Hota. And yes. not Ario Hota of the show who did little more than get stabbed by the stand snakes and then die uh, terribly. Yeah, you know, you know let, let's actually bring that up and get it out the way. <laughs> let, let me get my feelings Go. out about that again. You know, it, it's been over a year, and I'm still mad that one of the greatest warriors ever in the story died by a stab in the back with a freaking toothpick. Don't see how small that is. Like, ugh, just just a travesty mm -hmm. and they barely ever let my man use his axe what no axe the, the man is literally married to his axe this is a thing we'll get into that later so y'all understand why why it's a thing <laughs> to put him in any kind of scuffle and he barely does two little swings 
and then gets stabbed with, with a little tiny knife that that it, it barely hit anything going through his back. That's a really broad-shouldered man. <laughs> it, oh, th that that was on that screen. You don't kill a guy like that with nope. one hit from from a from a two-inch prick in his back. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, that the Dorn they, they started off okay when when it was just Oberyn and Ilaria. Mm. They were doing really well. Those those were very good casts. And even they got Doctor Bashir. It's kind of a waste. Doctor Bashir to play one of the greatest, greatest, you know, low key tricksters, mm -hmm. best moving in the shadow character of the story, and they wasted that skill. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. Mm -hmm. uh, we can officially call that um dorn b from an alternate universe yeah yeah uh, that was the alternate universe that no one ever wants to go to it really that was not ario hota like we don't he had the same name sure but that was not the same character nor was duran nor was any of that um and we're gonna get into why a, a little bit today why absolutely that was a very yeah, different plot of that. um oh yes people are putting f in the chats for ario hota's uh weird stabbing uh, mm -hmm. Yes, please, please spam F's in the chat. And, and that's uh, all of it is a weird stabbing because it just didn't make sense. Not, not really a thing. Um, also asking, when will I wear a silly hat? Uh, same as always, 150 likes. Uh, I'll put on the wizard hat, 175. I'll put on the super germ hat with the awesome old lady pin I bought for it. Because that's what it is. Old lady pin? I don't know if I've seen that one yet. The old lady pin? Oh, you, this, it's on, a treat. I am curious, people. Get it to 175. Slam that like button. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, 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 that really was not Ario. Uh, so we'll be talking about book Ario Hota, the one who sees Duran react to the news of his brother's death against the mountain, who foils the Queen's Maker plot, which doesn't exist, by Ariane, and witnesses the start of the revenge of Dorne on the Lannisters by Prince Duran, which, again, did not really happen. Like, yes. kissing Marcella with poison is nowhere near as intricate and as fully <laughs> devoted to destroying the Lannisters that Prince Duran right. actually and, is. And it's not, and it's not Alaria that is doing any of that. No. Uh, I, re I really dislike that they did such a 180 on her character. In that. She was basically the Andrea from The Walking Dead mm -hmm. of, of this <laughs> show. They totally screwed her character from what it was. And it didn't do them any justice to do to do that. It just made the whole plot line even more terrible than it was. Mm -hmm. Oh, my mic sounds a little bit weird. Um, hang on a second. My mic or yours? Mine. My mind sounds a sounds. A, oh, hang on. I probably know what that is. I left on one sec. I left on my fan because it's very hot here today. I forgot to turn it off. There we go. It should be better. Um, All right. Oh, there she is. <laughs> there we go, guys. All right. All right. Sorry for the delay. <laughs> no worries. Gotta eat. Gotta eat those eggs. Gotta get a good, healthy breakfast going. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, people. That's it true. Doesn't matter what time of day it is. When you wake up, you get breakfast. <laughs> I, that was me today. Woke up at 11. That's not really breakfast time. Did it anyway. That's how it goes. And slammed a bunch of coffee. Um, I told you, if I wake up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon for any reason, and I feel like scrambled eggs, 
That's the first thing I'm making. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I love breakfast. Sorry, not sorry. That's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so to start off with, I thought we would take a quote here that I think sums up Ario pretty well and his relationship to House Martell, which is kind of more complicated than I, either of us really thought going into it. Realize. Yeah. Correct. So the quote, what you meant does not matter, little princess. Arya Hosa said, only what you did. His countenance was stony. I'm sorry. It is for my prince to command. Or Hota to obey. And that's that's kind of where he ends up landing in a lot of these chapters. It's mm-hmm. he he takes his duty very seriously, much more actually than any of the King's Guard we really see. Um more than Barristan, more than Jamie, Aris Hogart. Um his his idea of duty and to protect the Martells is absolute for him. And even here, this is one of the few times where he expresses even regret about it. And it's just to Ariane because that's how much he cares about his little princess. He's saying, I am sorry. He doesn't say he's sorry to Oris Okart when he chops his head off. He doesn't say he's sorry when he arrests the sand snakes. It's just... It's just Ariane because he's got that kind of father love for mm-hmm. her. He's watched all of Doran's kids grow up since they were babies. Mm-hmm. You, you know how father figures are with their daughters you know a lot of times you know mommy's little boy and daddy's girls that's just how it ends up being and that that's the relationship that ario has with ariane mm-hmm. and um to start how did he even get here that's one of the more confusing parts i think of ario hoto's story uh he started mm-hmm. off as the youngest of five children in norvos which is one of the old valerian free cities from northern Essos, kind of east of Andalos and east of Bravos, which should tell you the climate that it's from. Uh, yeah. Shades of Melisandre here. He was sold to a religious order as a slave by his parents to become one of their slave soldiers to the to the bearded priests of Norvos, who are sort of that theoc- yeah theocracy that runs. Um, they basically run all of Norvos. Like they, yeah. they say there's magisters there, but the bearded priests are the ones that appoint them. So wh- why not just take the mantle of being the leaders? Why, why make it seem so shadowy? It, it, it's weird. It's almost like that was the point to create this weird shadow government kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also a very unusual free city. I mean, the term free city is absolutely not correct. The the free cities <laughs> I are. Bring that up too. Yeah, the free cities are just how the freehold that's what it refers to um mm-hmm. all were slave cities pretty much norvos especially and they were started because unbelievably there was too much religious freedom out in out in the freehold too, too much too much freedom. so no we need to wrangle these people and no let, let's put, put bring them into this small space and constrict them to our rules yeah norvos is weird it's very weird they went <laughs> weird. They went as far away from the freehold as they could get while still technically being in the empire, took up these ruins and decided this is where we live now. And, and made some weird rules mm. all about themselves. Like, like, you know, hair sometimes ends up being a thing mm-hmm. with some cultures. For the Norvosi, the only people that are allowed to have beards are their bearded priests. Yes. And, they- and it, it's never really stated why. Unless I missed it, that's just the thing. Just the thing. Do. Don't know why they're not. They're also the only ones that know the name of their god. Nobody else is allowed to know it. That's pretty unusual. Yeah, like, how do you properly worship if you don't know the name of the deity you're worshiping? I, I don't. 
Gotta turn to the priest for everything, oh, I guess. What are we doing here? <laughs> and then the other weird thing that they have is they have an extremely structured lifestyle based around these three bells named bells. Noom, Nara, and Niall. And one of them starts the day, the other one ends the day, and the other one's when you can go have sex. And that's how, like, the no, level of control... That are important to them. Yeah, that's Wake it. Up, go to sleep, go bang. <laughs> On a structured schedule according to these bells. And that's where well, Arya Hota comes from. If you look at the basics of human nature and our needs, I suppose they have it covered. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really like the idea of a sex bell for all of, like, my town. Yeah, I wouldn't like I would that. I have the choice of when I want to do that. Um... And I would need more than one bell to do it, but that's neither here nor there. Wow. Wow. I'm just saying, I have a high libido, <laughs> and it's just a thing. Accept it. Yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, so for Ario himself, again, he was sold to the bearded priest, not to become a priest himself, like with uh, Thoros of Mir yeah, and Melisandre. Becomes a slave soldier. Uh, yeah. And they, the symbol of Norvos is this axe which they give to their slave soldiers. And it's actually kind of interesting. It's noted in the World of Ice and Fire that they, no one's even sure where they got the axe from. It, they sort of think they maybe took it from the ruins of the Andals that were there before them. Because That's it's not, right. The Andals were involved there at some point. It's not really like some kind of known thing why they took up the axe, but they do, and they train all their slave soldiers to have this long axe, which Ario calls his wife. They get married to their wives, which he did at 16. And then, you know, they take a little further and brand an axe in your chest. Because why not? They're, I mean, they're they're almost like Unsullied that yeah. keep bits. Pretty much the Unsullied, their their main uh, weapon is their spears. Mm -hmm. And just, just so with the um, bearded... Uh, Priest soldiers, they get married to their axe. It's uh yeah, again, very you're right, very similar to the unsullied. And they, they tattoo actually the the axe across their chest also, mm -hmm. and that's to remind them to to always keep their axes sharp. I don't know how a tattoo is supposed to be a reminder of that, but okay. And then it turns out that, much like the Unsullied, these are not just, they don't just belong to the faith of the bearded priests. It appears that Ariohoto was sold to Lady Malario's family of Norvos as her mm -hmm. personal protector. And that's the story of how Duran and Malario met. Dur uh, Ario remembers it. They were, there's something about dancing bears. I don't know if this is bear baiting. There was, there was a festival yeah. going on. Yeah. And she happened to notice him in the crowd. And yeah, I guess it was at, at a great point where, you know, the, the, the bells were ringing, the bears were dancing, <laughs> and everyone was merry. And from across the crowded room, she spotted the, the guy she fell for, at least for a little bit fell for. And Love at they, first sight. Yeah, they, they went back to Dorne, and you know, they, got, they, they got married. And supposedly they were married for love, but they argued a lot. And the, the arguments are over the severe culture clashes that um, were between the Dornish and the Navashi way. In particular, the idea that your children in Westerosi society are tools that you you send them out as um, for what is it uh, f fostering. In particular, the first argument, the the first quarrel, if you want to talk about Jaehaerys and Alistair, was over um, Quentin being fostered to the Ironwoods, and. 
it's noted that she took this very seriously that the Novashi do not send their children away. It, like the family unit to them is apparently extremely important. And yeah, did not go Which well. Is, that, that's kind of interesting to me though, because, and, and I get that there's always cultural clash with uh, different nations. Mm -hmm. But if the family unit is, you know, supposed to be what, what's the strongest, why wouldn't you try to strengthen that family unit with your allies too though i mean fostering yeah. it in my mind it makes sense because that helps draw ties and bind people closer to you especially if you're the high lord of that region you want your subjects to feel like they actually want to continue to follow you mm -hmm. so fostering is a good way to do that i i, I don't know i just I guess just, you know, falling for a guy because he looks good and then immediately moving <laughs> back home is not the thing that she should have done. Maybe you want to do a little bit more research before you go and decide you want to marry a guy from Crossing Arrows. Very true. I mean, we saw the same problems with Ned and Kat where she always felt like an yeah. outsider and they're the, like Riverlander culture and Northern culture are different, but you know, not, not, as not that much. And it was a huge problem for her. Yeah. yeah. Five kids later, and Catelyn still has issues with living in the north. Like, word, bitch, word. Like, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not gonna get into that because that's a whole other stream. I could rant about Catelyn for years. <laughs> We're not gonna do that today. No, a lot, a lot, a lot of different ranting, and in particular, we we hear from Hota about what in particular were the things that he found super different. Um, for one thing, Norvos is. Um, a northern culture it's he well northern at least for essos he said he, he had a thick horsehair uh cape he wore all the time a thick leather tunic and a spiked iron mm. helmet which he had to almost immediately discard he also had problems with the food uh apparently uh, well dorn is known for its extremely spicy food and it hota mentions in his internal pov that it essentially gave him the poops for like forever until he got used to it yeah and, and like if, if you put Dorn up against you know our real world the country the culture is around like the the, the moroccan area yeah. of the world mm -hmm. and they they do indeed have a lot of spicy foods delicious <laughs> but spicy so you you really it, it, it takes your palate mm -hmm. some time to get used to that and yeah you know it, it could tend to give you the bubble guts if you're not <laughs> bubble guts but, yeah that's right <laughs> While you were talking about his clothes, that oh yes, means to the to the first uh, bit of tinfoil mm -hmm. that uh, came to my Bring head when I, when I was looking at this guy. So you know, in, in Norvos, he had to wear like the what seemed like you know really thick, heavy uh, clothing and armor. Of course, you go to Dorn. Dorn is a desert, so mm -hmm. you can't do all of that and and survive. You literally will pass out from heat stroke. So what he ends up doing is he makes um, a copper chainmail, uh, a, a very thin copper chainmail uh, shirt that mm -hmm. he wears as his armor, and he wears a like a, a, a almost a silk like cape to you know shield his body from the sun because of course you know copper is a metal sun mm -hmm. if that it's gonna get hot and then burn his skin he doesn't want that so that's what he does but the the thing that interested me is the copper if you go back in the histories you know the first men were a uh, bronze age culture and you make bronze with tin and copper mm -hmm. um 
during the long night, and I always think of uh, House Royce because they're the only ones that still have a lot of bronze weapons and uh, first men rooms all over their armors and whatnots. Copper has this quality to where the colder it gets, the stronger the metal gets. So I'm wondering, I, I understand you need to change your armor up, Mr. Hota, but why would you choose copper in the middle of a desert? Hmm. What do you think is coming that you might need that type of armor? Like, he, he, you're in the service of the Prince of Dorne. You could have your armor made out of anything, literally anything that you would have asked for, Doran could have provided. Your lady could have provided because she, 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 she's a royal as well. So why would you choose copper? What good does that actually do you in the desert? Especially since, again, it, it, the way it's phrased, it doesn't seem like he wore a whole lot of anything under the copper because he <laughs> wears the cape specifically so the sun won't heat up the copper and burn his skin. So what are you doing, my guy? That just seems really, really weird. That is a, that is a really good question. Yeah, why the copper is an odd choice. I guess maybe because it's it's not that heavy I, I don't know it is hmm yeah i know it's a good conductor maybe it's maybe it's literally just to keep him cool like is there something about wearing copper that would make it so that like you wouldn't stay as hot uh i don't know not that i know of not that i know of i don't i don't it's an interesting but, choice but the other mention I mean, of copper is friendly you guys know are, are there any metal experts out there uh no, in the chat here we go thing that i could think that i found about copper is that it ha it gets stronger in colder temperatures, like sub zero temperatures. It just it 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 it's almost as strong as a, a wrought iron, hmm. I, I believe is is what is said. So I I don't know. So he says it blends in with the sand. That's a good one. <laughs> that, that 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 might be it. Maybe he's trying to camouflage. I don't know. Maybe it just it just seems seems strange when when I think about that. And, you know, because Dorne is one of those places that i think has some secret magical magical qualities and that's the that's why that they are the desert that they are you know mm -hmm. i think some stuff went on there in the past that we don't know about and it's transitioning but there's little nodes of those you know hints of magic that always come up you know especially we gotta remember they come from the ronar and the ronar were uh waterbenders yeah <laughs> so bunch of guitars what's going on that's all i'm saying that's true. Uh, not the only confusing thing about Ario. Uh, just one other thing was there were two things that, uh, well, to guess two other things that Ario found very off-putting about Dorne. One was the, the the speed of the speech. He knew Common before he came, but he had trouble understanding anybody because the Dornish talk very fast. But the, the other problem was it wasn't just the spicy food, it was the spicy ladies. Um, as we were talking yeah. about, Norvos has very controlled sexual culture, and he not is... He was not ready for their their lack of inhibition. Oh, Ario, you know, he, he's been a trained soldier from like five, six years old. So, you know, and we saw he's a big dude. They, they actually cast an appropriately sized person to play him in the show. Mm -hmm. He's a big guy. So, you know, a, a lot of ladies are going to look at that like, hmm, how you doing? <laughs> and he was not prepared for that nope. at all. Not at all. At any given point in time, whenever he was off duty, he could have anyone that he wanted. But he he's just not that dude, you know? 
he 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 doesn't know how to deal with that and and to have women actually come up to him like that especially must have happened mm, oh I'm, I'm sure it happened a lot yeah because it <laughs> bothers him a lot that that's one of the few things that that we really know about him is that the the food and and the ladies sexuality is Throughout these two chapters, sexuality comes up almost over and over again when he's actually thinking about things and what he's noticing about characters. Like his note, he didn't noticing Ariane and the Sand Snakes is noticing their sexuality and how they were using it. Like there, um, we'll get to this later, but that feast scene, there's a whole bunch of people there, and Arya Hoto's like, "Wow, Nymeria is basically naked under that dress. I'm gonna look at that for a bit." And that's that's kind of how he interacts. It's it's something that continues to bother him. He's like, "I got used to the spicy food. I got used to the." to the um, the style of talk i he has not he's clearly not gotten used to the fact that he thinks dornish view on sexuality is way too much for him yeah i mean think about dorn dornish are at least as far as i know um they're i would say about 70 percent of the population is bi mm. so whenever they feel like doing whoever they feel like doing they go do it Mm-hmm. And it, they are very, very open about all of it. You know, it, it, it's it, sexuality is like the least thing that is kept secret in Dorn. Yeah, you know, they just, they, they just don't believe in that, and and, and I feel them on that. You know, I, I think sometimes people are a bit too got to stick up their butt about you know who somebody's sleeping with, and as long as they're not bothering you in your bed, you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> not from Norvo, Southern Norvoshi have a problem. Marvos, well, well, <laughs> you might have some problems. Again, when we're talking about Malaria, um, the things he's bringing up, you can probably transpose onto her. She probably felt the same things. And we actually, this is one of the few instances we hear of in Westeros of what's almost a divorce. Um, almost. almost almost divorced over Quentin in the Ironwoods, but it actually broke their relationship with Aryan. Doran mm-hmm. wanted to send her to be the cupbearer for the Archon of Tyrosh, and it's said that in the text that Malario threatened uh, self-harm if Arianne was taken from her, and that was basically it. After that, yeah, Malario... Doran loved her enough to not want to chance that. Yeah. For actually doing something. So, you know, there, there was love in their marriage. There's just that that cultural clash stayed a thing for them, and and and, and most interesting, you know, Divorces are not something that happen in Westeros, even in Dorne. Mm-hmm. That's not something that's that acceptable. It's very, very frowned upon. So they separated. You know, she went back home to uh, Norvos. Mm-hmm. But interesting thing. Yeah. Um, one, because they're in Westeros, Doran has, and, you know, and not, not just because they're in Westeros, but because Doran is the leader of the, the region that they're in, he gets the kids automatically yeah um so she can't take her babies with her you know the issue was sending her babies away and now she has to leave them because she can't stay in that environment and she can't take her kids with her but even more interesting is ario yeah not go back home with her why didn't our there's never an explanation given as to why not even close Arya. Arya never even thinks of it as like a conflict in his head he yeah. knows that doran martell and Aryan are his duty to protect and that's as far as it goes but we that's know that he was basically sold by the bearded priest to Malario's family so it's unclear how exactly that transition happened and why it happened why would she not take Ario uh, I I kind of thought about it a little bit and I was like well maybe she left him no 
just like if she can't be with her children maybe she'll let ario be their guardian be like her voice still in the family that kind of thing but it, it's a little confusing would have said that if that's the case the mm -hmm. fact that he left it up in the air just from how he his pattern of writing that makes me think that there is something there but he he's gonna keep us questioning it possibly give us an answer later but probably won't as as many of the small <laughs> things that come up in this story but it's it's very very interesting to think about because he, he literally belongs to her and her family yeah he has no choice and, never a thing it's never said that she went to ario and tried to order him back or tried to give him a choice or anything no it's just she's leaving the babies can't go with her she's out ario <laughs> never comes up in the conversation i don't want ario either i don't want anything i'm out here all, all right all interesting all choice people, of <laughs> um <laughs> and it's not only that he's left behind but he's promoted he becomes the captain of the guard that's yeah, the name of his first one yeah what did it, he it, do See, and, and this is the thing, yeah, and me and Joe were talking about this, mm -hmm. you know, what before we came on screen. Ario is one of those characters who, his name carries a lot of weight, mm -hmm. and he's very important, but when you really go looking, this dude ain't done shit. As far as we know. As far as we know, he's literally just the, the uh, you know, hard stone fist that Doran has in, in, in his back pocket. And if he says, yo, go punch that, Ario's going to go over with his axe and punch that. He's also not a, a subtle guy. So no, he no, he's very straight to the point where if something needs to be said, he says what needs to be said, and then that's it. Although we do see in these chapters that under the radar, that his effectiveness for Duran is probably what earned him this. For instance, we know that he manages to arrest all three sand stakes without a problem. Nobody's nobody's up in arms that the sand stakes yeah. are in the tower. And he also is able to kill Ares Hokart, chops off his head. And again, nobody knows it's him. So it leads you to the obvious uh, conclusion that Ariel must have been doing this kind of shit for Duran his entire time in in Dorn, and nobody knows. And and this is the interesting thing about that, you know. When it came to um, that, the people you know getting up in arms after um, Oberyn's death, they Doran and Arya were still at the Water Gardens. Obara mm -hmm. came to them first and tried to say she wants retribution and all this other nonsense. And he's like, "Little girl, go sit down somewhere." And she goes back to Sunspear. And by the time they get back, you know, Ario and, and him are talking like she's probably going to cause trouble. The people might go up in an uprising, so we got to go back to Sunspear. So then they start going back to Sunspear. By the time they get there, Obar already has everybody up in, in, in an uproar. Mm -hmm. But then he gives this order to Ario Hota. Go get her. <laughs> and go get her. Go get her sisters. Even the babies. Go get, go get the babies and a mama. Put them in, put them at the water gardens, take three big ones, put them in the tower at, uh, at, at Sunspear and let them sit and marinate for a little bit and think about what they just tried to do. Yeah. And then it all just goes silent. Nothing. Like no, nobody tries to help them when no he goes to break it. them up. No one questions anything. They just let that happen. Like, are, is Ario Hota a secret freaking faceless man and we just don't know? <sighs> He's definitely like on secret agent levels of effectiveness. I mean, seriously, he is like double O, triple seven to the 19th power. Like, who is this guy? 
that only has two point of view chapters in the story. And you, the, the, the most we really hear about him is that he, he killed one Kingsguard. And he and he's great enough to a wrangle up. Guard. <laughs> Arguably. Yeah. And he's bad enough to come through and take members of the royal family. It, never mind they're bastards. Okay. Be, being a bastard doesn't mean I- I- anything in Dorne. You're part of the royal mm-hmm. bloodline. He's allowed to just walk through the streets, wrangle these chicks up, and go put them in the tower. No one says anything. Nope. Not a Oberyn thing. Oberyn is killed, and his daughter has everybody riled up to go and fight in King's Landing. But then Arya Hota, one dude, <laughs> not, not, a whole, not a whole group, one guy comes in with an axe and says, hey, y'all, shut up. You three over here, upstairs. Now, go to your room. Him and him, and like, yeah, it's like him and just like a few guys. And that's it. <laughs> like, like, how? Amazing how? stuff. Something is going on. Exactly. There is a lot. A lot more to Arya. Done over the years that we don't know about, because you do not get that type of clout just for standing next to a highborn lord and this it doesn't happen it doesn't work like that no and this kind of leads to another a big question about aria hota is you as you're as we're saying there there seems to be a lot more to him there appears to be a rich backstory but we don't get that and it's one of those reasons that when people think about aria hota's pov and his two chapters among i would say among his his chapters people consider them like the mo him almost the most useless pov because there's so little of him actually on the page i mean the sec the second chapter is called the watcher and that's and it might as well be said it might as well be called the reader because you're basically just there to see the the two meetings that are going on while ario kind of doesn't do much and it's he's also called like the camera the dornish camera it's like mm-hmm. so why do you think ario hota of all characters is one that's getting two povs in this story i have no idea <laughs> i really don't i've i've been racking my brain like and, and you know that's kind of one of the reasons when we were going through characters to talk about i picked mm-hmm. ario is because he is so little talked about mm-hmm. and, and i wanted to find out more but then you go looking there's not that much more to find out a lot of it is left to speculation you see this small list of things that is recorded that we know he's done mm-hmm. but there's no explanation as to why he's able to do some of these things or even like wh- why is he the one that's why is he the one that got there why why are you captain of the guard in dorn why did you not go home with your lady who literally <laughs> owned you when you before you came to dorn how how how, how does this work Especially when tell me your secrets, Ario. I (laughs) especially when you're talking about there are you know there are other Dornish POVs. You have Quentin Martell, you have Arvin Martell. George has no problem making up POVs. And one thing, exactly who those those two kids are because of all the information on them. Yeah, this is one thing that George loves to do though. Is he's I I was thinking about it. He's kind of like a Duncan the Tall figure, where he's being picked specifically in Dorn for for a couple purposes the first one is he he literally just needs somebody to watch duran he needs somebody to hear duran say things but you can't have duran as the pov it would be like giving blood raven a pov what he knows and his plans would absolutely destroy the narrative for what he's doing with dorn okay that makes Mm -hmm. sense i think but there's another part to it that i think is um very interesting is that when we're talking about when Aryo enters the story everybody in dorn is pissed or sad about Oberyn. 
Like they want to go to war or they're like Duran and they're unbelievably upset. But when you read Hota's POV, he's like, I don't really care. Oberyn was just like, he was like, troublesome. Well, he doesn't like his daughters. And in that sense, he is kind of a neutral mask into Dorne to be able to see things without the cloud, the cloud of cloud the of anger. Being part yeah. of the family. Yeah. Like he's, he, he is part of the family, but he's not, he, he, he's at that special point to mm -hmm. where he knows everything that there is to know about that family. And that's why we have him because we can't be in Doran's head nope. as much as we would like to be. So we, we need the, the, the camera, the <laughs> eyes on, on that person, but he's outside of it a little bit. He's outside apart enough to where it, tr it can trigger your thought patterns to go down a bunch of different avenues as to why he's there and how he got there, which yeah. is very interesting. And it's a brilliant move by George. Yeah. In the past, he's used uh, maesters for that role. Like this is the role that Crescent got for Stannis. Mm. Um, but I guess this time he wanted to, especially because a feast for crows, a feast yeah, for crows did. and a dance of dragons are so heavy on these ideas of Kingsguard mm -hmm. and people following vows. I mean, you get Jaime, you get Aris Okart, you get Barristan, you get John. Well, John's not a Kingsguard, but he the similar kind of vows. And it seems yeah. to be a running theme that George likes to play with this idea of the the guard who is trying to understand what their lord is doing and maybe not agree, but trying to balance their duty with that. Like Davos is the best example of this where um, his relationship to Stannis is one that is, outs again, outside the inner circle that doesn't really know what's going on, but he has his own internal depth and POV. But Ario mm -hmm. is so strange in that he has almost nothing of that second part. His internal um, internal thoughts on what is happening are basically non-existent. And that's, that's one of the odder choices, I think, for why Ario is a POV. George clearly mm -hmm. has the ability to give these kind of characters, like we see with Barristan, a rich inner monologue to accompany their duty and their their vows. And for some reason, he decided Ario does not have those. Yeah, he he had three three words. What uh, where, where did my page go? Did I close it? Oh, he had uh, three words when he married his ex. You know, serve, obey, protect. Yeah, that's a simple vows for a simple man. And when you look at how this man talks, yeah. Um, actually, in the chat, Ion just summed it up perfectly. Ario was a Vulcan Dornishman. <laughs> yeah, kind of. You know anything about Vulcans in the Star Trek verse? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Ario and Spock would be very good friends because that—that that is exactly how that guy speaks. You know, it, it, whatever needs to be said, it's put out in logical form. When he doesn't need to speak, he shuts up. That's about it. Yeah, Durant, I make the word, you don't have to. Duran asks him personal questions, and he just kind of goes. Uh, yeah, I got yeah. nothing. <laughs> like, on to the next thing uh, in my report, sir. Yeah, mm -hmm. it completely like scrubs over stuff like that. And it's one of the things that makes me want to study and know more about Norvos because those are qualities that are drilled in from training. And again, we know he's been a soldier since he was six. Mm -hmm. So I want, I would really love to, like, we know a lot about what happens with Unsullied training. We don't know what the bearded priests are doing to these boys all along the way. No, Ari and doesn't think about it. All time that they have them in training, you know, they ten years. He start. He actually was one of the youngest. I think he started when he was actually five, because he was the youngest, and they got rid of him like as soon as they could in his family because they couldn't afford it. 
and he married his ex at 16. So that's a long time to have the regiment beat into your head. And it was probably literally beaten Maybe. into your head. So it's, it, it's just interesting. Again, Norvos is weird, and I need to find out why. Because <laughs> Mario is weird. There, there's, damn it, there's a fly in my house. And it's <laughs> the surprise and fly. My hands go like this every now and then. It's because a stupid fly keeps coming to bother me. Slapping around flies. Um, but there's just so much weird about his story, and I really didn't notice until now when I'm really doing this deep dive with you. I'm like, wait a minute, man! This guy literally you 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 could sum it up within just a few pages of work, and then that's it. But there's so much more weight that is on this man's name that there's more. There has to be more actions that we have not seen. In the shadows, and Doran is known for moving through the shadows. Mm-hmm. Ario might have been the one that was making them moves, and I'm here for that. Uh, good point here from the chat. Oh, guilty Undertaker says Ario Hoto is what all the other guardian figures wish to be, but never can. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it, that's a very good point. Like I was comparing the Barristan and how he's often hold up as the perfect knight. No, Ario is probably the truest knight, uh, as close as you can come to as what get, what the yeah. King's Guard is supposed to be. And it's a bearded priest slave soldier that followed Malario of Norvos, and that's the guy who is the strongest in terms of keeping exactly to his vows and what he needs to do. He's almost like he's almost like a, a robot. He's almost like a white in terms of um, just mm-hmm. how he always serves no matter what with very little of him, little, little back talk. And I actually thought about this um, for, so you, you noted that, and we both noted that there's very little to Ario personally, but unlike the other characters, he has not really been challenged the way George likes to on his core beliefs. Like mm. he's kind of just been watching so far with Barristan. He obviously presented that with Ares. Uh, Jamie as well had that same problem. Ares had the the vows conflicting with Ariane. And considering that Ario in his first chapter says, "Wow, I, my name's really close to Ares," you have to think that maybe George has something planned for him that's really going to test his duty to Duran and Ariane. Probably in particular Ariane, considering that's the one he cares about the most. I am almost inclined to disagree. Oh, interesting. I think Ario might actually be that character that does never waver. Mm. Like I'm thinking about, I'm I'm going back to what um, Ion said in the chat. He's a Vulcan. (laughs) Vulcans don't waver on what their beliefs are. Once a thing seems absolutely logical to them and this is the way it is, that's just the way it is. I don't think I don't think George has challenged Ario because there's no need. There's nothing to challenge. <laughs> He's always going to go exactly where he believes he is supposed to go, which is why he's not back in Norvos. Which, by all intents and purposes, he should be back Probably in Norvos. Probably should be, yeah. But he's not. Hmm. So I think that that one action right there says an awful lot about the way he uh, logic goes through his brain. He's not going anywhere, and he is all for the royal family. When it comes to Ariane, I, I don't think that he could be tested the way that Ares or even Darkstar is with, well, with Ares, yeah. because he's not going to look at her sexuality at all, ever. I don't think she would ever try to do that with mm-hmm. him, but if she did, it would never work. He, he's probably the one person that I could say 100% would <laughs> never break his celibacy vows. Yeah. 
Yeah, it it, it just mm-mm. although it wouldn't, it wouldn't comprehend to him to do that. Although a couple times in these chapters, he does notice that Ariane is becoming quite the looker. Every father has that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like a surrogate father figure. Yeah, you're right. Point in time comes the realization. Okay, I'm gonna have to go grab a gun because these little assholes about to come looking at my baby girl, and I can't <laughs> have that. You know, I'm saying like it, th- that that scene in Bad Boys Two where Will Smith and and Martin Lawrence are basically drill that boy to come to take uh Martin's oldest daughter out for mm-hmm. the first time. I've I've done that. I, 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 I've been there. I understand what it is when your babies are growing up. Because you 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 notice you 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 have to you know you can't blind yourself to that. So and like we said, Ario has that father type love for Ariane. So uh, yes, he's going to notice, but I don't <laughs> think noticing on a level that other people would be noticing is what I'm saying. I, yeah, totally. Uh, the the other conflict that I think might arise between them is that Ariane seemingly is kind of on her own at this point when we go into the winds of winter. I mean, we're going to get to this. She's gone to young Griff. She's debating whether what she will send back to Duran. And if Arya was put in a hard place between choosing between following Duran's orders and Arya's, if they have, if they have differing ideas, especially when Danny and young Griff are both in Westeros, which, mm-hmm. which person would Arya follow? And I think that, I think that's probably maybe the idea that George will hone in the most. That would be interesting because mm-hmm. if well, 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 let's try to let's try to Ario logic that out. <laughs> what would he follow? I don't want to say that it would necessarily be um young Griff because I think the way he the way Ario looks at things, he tends to see some of the little markers that most might miss. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very, very observant. Yeah. Again. So there, there, that, that may be where, where a conflict might come in is in following young Griff, because if they do end up getting married, I'm inclined to think that they won't just because Griff is a little too headstrong and he's feeling himself a little too much right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to, you know, try to waver on that. He's going to try to play hardball and probably going to get knocked down, but you know, that's a whole nother discussion there. Back to Ario. Mm-hmm. Then he's going to look at uh, Daenerys when she comes into the picture. And I think he is probably going to come to maybe some of the same conclusions that I could see Doran actually coming to in backing Daenerys as well. But there's too much that's up in the air right and, now. And it's so tied up in his feelings towards them personally. Yeah. He has yes. he has extreme affection for Duran, extreme affection for Ariane, and it's, yeah, I mean... That uh, would be the level of, of testing for him. If ever there was going to be a test for Ariel, that's where it would be. That would be it. I'm looking forward to... Well, we'll, we'll get to more to the Winds of Winter uh, as we go through the, uh, the old document, as it were. Um, one thing I also wanted to note is that while Ario is is seen as a camera he's there's a way that he provides to the story that is more than exposition and that is he has the same skill that barrison selmy does in terms mm-hmm. that he shows off while he's in um the throne room after daenerys leaves and that is he is an extremely extremely good judge of people body language and threat assessment and george judge george uses him exclusively to let you know that the sand snakes are extremely dangerous 
and that what they're planning to do, even to Duran, along with the rest of Dorne and King's Landing, is they are not, I mean, they are, <laughs> they are not just, you know, characters running around the court. Ario thinks they are more dangerous than anyone else he encounters. He thinks they're more dangerous than Balon Swan, more dangerous than any of the guards they bring with them. He pays sharp attention to Obara, Tyene, and Nymeria, and at any moment thinks they're about to kill Duran, which is something, wow. I am inclined to agree. <laughs> First of all, let's just look at the bloodline, okay? Mm -hmm. These are Oberyn's daughters. The Red Viper. This man literally, I'm pretty sure he made the eight like, like five times more than <laughs> Okay. This guy could, could make a whole freaking football team, not a basketball team, a football team of all the damn daughters that he has. Okay. Mm -hmm. He went to each of their mothers, especially with his old, with his oldest ones, all of the, there's, there's like four or five of the oldest ones that all have different moms, mm -hmm. went to each one of their mothers and got his daughters specifically one just like the north dorn doesn't just throw away their bastards no they keep them they keep them close they train them they actually you know culture a good relationship between them mm -hmm. over and trained each and every one of his daughters and if you look at all of those older girls they all have some one specific part of him that makes them very, very dangerous. He made them weapons. He made his daughter he weapons. He made them weapons, yes. And, and Ario is exactly correct when he says they are the most dangerous people in Dorne. And Doran knows that. That mm -hmm. is why he had them all wrangled up <laughs> and sent to their room. Uh, he's not stupid. No, he's not stupid. Ario is an extremely sharp judge. And I had a couple mm -hmm. quotes here I wanted to read that I thought were really good dis displaying this. So, and they're actually very, very insightful, which again, I think is something people miss about Ario Hota as a POV. So he said, Ario studied them each and studied each of them in turn. Obara rusted nails in boiled leather with her angry, close set eyes and rat brown hair. Nymeria, languid, elegant, olive skinned in her long, black braid bound up in a red gold wire tyene blue-eyed and blonde a child woman with soft hands and little giggles and then to go on to this this, this is from a different part but it works with this this is this is him describing tyene sand her hair was gold as well and her eyes were deep blue pools yet somehow they reminded the captain of her father's eyes though oberon's had been black as night all of Prince Oberyn's daughters have his viper eyes. Hota realized suddenly the color does not matter. Mm-hmm. And that, that is how strong the bond was with Oberyn and his daughters. And I understand that's why they're pissed. But still, bruh. <laughs> I respect y'all, Sand Snakes. I, I, I actually, I very much agree. If I were to live anywhere in Westeros, if it wasn't the North, I would be in Dorne. You can't be yeah. mad that your dad died in, in, in ritual combat that he volunteered for, man. Come on. <laughs> I I get it. I get it. Your pops died, but it, he wasn't murdered. Did, did, calm, no. calm yourselves, little girls. Calm yourselves, please. Wrangle that back. Save that for the actual enemy that you need to fight. Don't go starting all this nonsense. That's why Doran had to wrangle y'all up and throw you in a room. That's sort of the problem, though, is that Oberyn raised them on Venom. He raised them on the Viper's yeah, Venom. Sure he sure he made them this way, so his death 
I mean, he didn't plan to die, but this was always going to be the reaction. No matter who killed Oberyn, the the That's what happened. Yeah, the vengeance right. for Elia and Rhaenys and Aegon is what is the Viper's eyes. It is that uh, desire for vengeance, and they just get so angry at Duran. And it's one of those things. I I, I love this little moment after Tyene touched um, Duran's hand. The maester runs over to make sure yeah. that she didn't cut him in any way because she he thinks she might have just poisoned the Prince of Dorne. Not only that, the, the, the maester's reaction was funny, but also Ariel's reaction. Like before her he hand almost, he wants to kill her. all the way there, he banged his, his axe on the floor like, hey, hey. Watch it. Girl, we know you, Tyene. I'm watching you. Don't don't fucking make me come over there. You know, <laughs> she, she got that extreme dad look. And whether she was planning on doing something right there or not, you can't really tell. I don't think she was. But just to see that, like, that sharp, crisp reaction like that. Like, that's that's why Ario is who Ario is. Mm-hmm. Like, that's exactly what he's there for. So how many times, again, have we seen him do that? And how many times have we not? That makes it even more why he has the power behind him. That's a good point. Like, how? why does he... What what moment in the past convinced him that Tyene's sand would not would poison somebody that easily and would even think about doing it to Duran? There's and a there, there's, she's young too. She is not like in the show where the sand snakes appear to be mostly uh, a lot older. Tyene's the youngest of them, and I think she's in her mid teens. Like 14, 14 or fifteen, I think. Yeah, she. Yeah, the, Aura is around like nineteen twenty, and then it goes. I think it's uh, Sorella, then Nim, then Tyene. Yeah, if I remember correctly, yeah, it's 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 wicked because you know, like like she was describing, you know, she's got that cutesy, still little young young adolescent girl look mm-hmm. about her, but no, nope. look that chick in his eye. What, what's that damn Paul Abdul song back in the day? Call harder snake. Look that chick in the eyes. <laughs> You're not gonna think, oh girl. No, you will see a cold hearted viper ready to shank you at the first second she gets the chance. Oh, apparently I may have got their ages wrong. Hang on a second. I'm going to double check this. Um, tiny. I may have. Yeah, you're right. I, I may have. I know they're all close in age, but I don't quite remember the order. Uh, Tyene Sand is about... Oh, she's about 20. But she looks she looks very young. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, Guilty Undertaker. You're right. I got the ages wrong. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's the younger ones that are um, much younger. But even still... Um, that that's also one of those interesting things about them um is i wanted to go into now i think a good time for the queen maker plot and aria hota's role in this aria mm-hmm. Ariane martel's plan to crown marcella baratheon queen of the seven kingdoms in order to start a rebellion and um this is where ario this is not from his POV, but he does get involved. So to quickly uh, go over the plan, Arianne decides she's going to seduce Ari's Oakheart, the Kingsguard, in order to essentially get unfettered access to Marcel Baratheon, which works. And then with uh, Darkstar, Gerald Dane, Andre Dalt, Garen of uh, Green, Garen of the, oh, I wrote this wrong. I think that's supposed to be the Green Blood. Yep, I misspelled that. Yeah. And Silva Santagar, they head out in order to crown marcella 
and then again use that to force the Iron Throne to come to Dorne because they're they are their advantage is defensive, not offensive. They don't have the spears, they don't have the supply lines, they don't have anything to go against the Iron Throne. But many times before, armies have marched south and died in the sands, that's and how that's they always beat them through that one pass. Yep, and it, it's a good plan. It is, but it you know I, I chuckled for a second at the beginning of that because. What Arion proposed and and how she would start off doing it, that's an Oberyn move. Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta wonder how much training did she also get from her uncle while he was training her cousins. But also, it's it's interesting to note that um the Sand Snakes before the Queenmaker plot all go to Duran and that in the opening chapter, the Captain of the Guards and give their plans for how they want revenge. And this plan, the the crowning of Marcella Baratheon comes from. Tyene Sand. Yeah. So it's Ariane and Tyene were working on this, and you can see with the people that went with them that there's crossover. For instance, on Andre Dalt, otherwise known as Dre, um, there's a there's an anecdote that uh, Ariane and Tyene almost lost their virginities virginities together to Dre, but he was, I guess, too young to pull it off. Uh, who who among us hasn't been too young to pull <laughs> off a threesome with a princess and a, basically another princess? And why is that even noted in the text? <laughs> George, you're like the greatest perv ever, my dude. I think in this case, it's 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 uh, noted because a lot of people have um, tried to answer Ariane's question of like, oh, who told? Who let everybody know? Well, it's Tyene. It's Tyene and Dre because that's the connection between those two groups. And we already know Tyene told the plan to Duran, told it to his face. So he knows that this is probably in the works somewhere. It's Tyene. It's Dre. That's who told. But the interesting part is um, when Ario shows up out of the poles, out of the uh, pole ship with a bunch of guys, and Ares Hokart, for some reason, decides he's today's the day to die. Like, what the hell, Ares? I, I don't know. Why, why was Okart even the one they sent down there, man? It just, that guy, he, he, he's so uninteresting. You, you know, you get a small character like Ario. And you find there's a whole lot more in the background that you actually want to know about this guy. Oakheart it, it almost seems the opposite. Like, dude, just <laughs> there's the nothing there. Now, please, just just get out the way because you're holding the story back right now. If I had to guess, the only reason he's there is because the Oakharts have a history of fighting the Dornish, and they wanted to send somebody that would be in opposition and not like succumb to Dorn uh, or whatever. Maybe something like that, but obviously it doesn't work. Ariane completely breaks down the king's guard vows and makes him essentially her puppet yeah easily too like damn it was oh, fast why, why were you even on the king's guard my guy? <laughs> how did you even pass the training uh, uh. oh some, some of these characters man guilty undertaker makes a good point it was either oakheart borrows blunt or marin trent so yeah i guess you sent aries uh, oakheart <laughs> but yeah. even still, um, you know, there's there, that was probably part of the rationale. Like, he'll protect Marcella against the evil Dornish, which is basically what Cersei thinks. Um, <laughs> also, it's interesting to note that at the end of the Queen's Maker plot, I mean, obviously, he gets discovered. Ario comes out, kills Arya Tokart. Somehow, in the fray, Marcella Baratheon ends up losing an ear, uh, gets slashed yeah. by a sword. Arya doesn't actually see it happen, and. She is taken to custody along with the other members of her plot, except for Darkstar. And this is where I think it gets really interesting talking about uh, mm -hmm. the feast chapter and where we're going in the Winds of Winter. 
everything ends up being blamed on Darkstar. Whereas the other contributors, Andre Dalt is sent, he's punished by being sent to Norvos to live with Malario for three years. That is not a punishment. Silva Santagar, Garen do not get really punished either. It's it's almost like John getting sent to the wall at the end of season eight. None of the, none of these are punishments except for Darkstar. I, I almost feel like Darkstar didn't necessarily get away. He was just allowed to leave. I was like, it, mm-hmm. like in planning, it was already said that, yeah, okay, you're going to do this, A, B, C, D, kill everybody, capture the other folks, let that one go away, though, because that's who we're going to blame it on. And because of who Darkstar is and how much people don't like him because he is dark star <laughs> of the nights so, it's going to be very easy for people to believe that he's the one that orchestrated any type of uh ill ilk against the iron throne going after marcella and especially and marcella, i believe is, is already you know in in love with uh Tristan, yeah. so yeah she's gonna go along with the lie because she wants to be with her man i mean fair enough it works out for her and um <laughs> It's also when you look back on all these REN chapters with the Queen Maker, you have to remember that Duran knew the entire time the plan was allowed to mm. progress with his blessing. So the only part that seems to have gone off plan was Ari Sokart's death. That's not that's the part that uh, Duran seems most upset about. He was okay with letting it all go through. He knew it was happening. Arya was there to stop it to make sure it got too far. But Oakheart was the part he didn't want to happen because now he has to explain a dead king's guard to the Sorry. Iron Throne. Yeah. So well, it's it, it's it, it's nuts, but this is you know the the depth of planning that you can expect from mm. Durant. When it says that he plays the long game, they mean he <laughs> plays the long game. This guy has had these plans. He is basically. Like the good version of Baron Harkonnen in Doom. He has all of the plans within plans within plans. And if something trickles in on any different stage, he is able to course correct within seconds and keep the party going. Mm-hmm. It, like that, That's just how smart this guy is in, in getting all these things done. But now there's this one wrinkle that he has to account for and, and uh, you know try to still make it do what he do. I don't think he's going to have a problem getting it together because it's Doran and he's, he is good at this. This is him in his element. This is why he was always in the background. He was the tall grass. Yes. That the Viper of Oberyn. So I, I, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> and in a way, Ario has become the new Oberyn. He is the new Viper yeah. that, uh, that Duran is using. He is, is the, he the new Viper though? in a way he's asking him. <laughs> I think he's been the Viper. We just, he's just oh, been that's the true. one. That, Multiple that, Vipers. That never, he's been the one that's never been seen until now. Mm, the so, way it's shaped Think about it. Everything we've talked about, it, yeah. it, this guy's been making moves for a while. We just don't know it. That's true. Uh, so then we get to the feast chapter. And again, another Kingsguard arrives. This time with the skull of Gregor Kagan. Um, This is the deal that Cersei has struck with, um, with Duran, where they have claimed... Gregor Clegane is dead. Whoops. Definitely not. Um, and they have sent a skull in a box along with Sir Balon Swan 
a competent Kingsguard member and with a retinue and their mission is to go down while well, this is their stated mission Duran tells us the real one later they're to go retrieve Tristane and Marcella and Ares Ocart bring them all back to King's Landing along with Duran who is supposed to rejoin the King's Landing Council but Duran has messed with him the whole way because he gave orders for every castle along the way to throw amazing lavish parties for Balon Swan. So <laughs> what should have taken weeks has taken forever, and Balon Swan knows it. Not not only that, honestly, you can, this is one of those things where you see what Doran's doing, and you just gotta chill. <laughs> because he, he pays so close attention to the little details. That he sees this plan, you know, he's already gotten his, he's, he's got his spies in King's Landing. So he knows what's really going down in between the lines mm -hmm. with this guy bringing a skull to him and this plan with, um, with all of them traveling back to King's Landing. There's a reason that he had to hem the Sand Snakes up the way he did, because he knew what was coming. He needed and Swan he, to arrive. Correct. Yeah. yeah. While he can course correct, he needs certain things to happen, and they were putting that in jeopardy. That's why. This part that we're about to get into right here, that's mm -hmm. why they were really wrangled up. The feast is fascinating, and it's also one of those moments where Ario proves himself as an excellent POV because he asks the question. Everyone knows the Sand Snakes want to kill Balon Swan and everyone they've walked in with. But Duran put them in the feast. And not only that, it wasn't like at a northern feast where John was at a, like a table far away from the head table. They were put there next to Ariane. They were put there up in center for Balon Swan to see. And Ario Hota puzzles about it, but then thinks, I don't understand it. But I think it's a good it's a good narrative tool for George to ask us. Why is Duran doing this? Why let Balon Swan meet the Sand Snakes now while Gregor's head's arriving? It's it, it's 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 very interesting. It's uh, it, it, it all yeah. plays into it, it's a small moving part that you don't understand until things actually come to a head, and then Doran really just has to flat out say A B C. <laughs> and the Sand Snakes are sitting there like, oh wow. Oh, 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 okay. So, what, what, what's what's the plan? Huh? That, that's when they that's when they all actually get on board mm -hmm. of what's happening. And and at this feast, also, you know that this is when you know we we, we get a few notes of Air, of Ario doing you know his uh his, his uh watcher mm -hmm. on the wall type thing, being the camera. You know that the, when the toast is made to King Tommen and whatnot, it, it's it's very highlighted that there's a lot in the crowd that do not raise their glass mm -hmm. for the toast and Ariel's looking at that like okay how fast am I gonna have to move if one of these idiots <laughs> try to pop off like uh, that, that's, that's that's what he says but from from what he does say mm -hmm. you know that's what he's thinking so it's it, it's just always interesting to see and watch this guy work and how quick he is to assess things and he's he's never wrong He's right. In the yeah. way he assesses, he he does it accurately. Like, see again, I, I gotta wonder about this training that these bearded priests <laughs> are given. Like, y'all maybe need to come over to Westeros and, and actually start doing some of the training for these punk ass knights that are running around the realm. Although that involves slave soldiers. <laughs> they, I mean, look, they, they need a little bit more discipline. I ain't saying they should be slaves. No, no, slavery is wrong. Mm. But they definitely need some more discipline than they've been getting over the past few decades. 
this is awesome. Uh, very unsullied like this is like gray worm like um and i also there's one moment here that happens that's very interesting and it's one that we talked about earlier how he thinks he's going to have to fight Aris Okart. he doesn't kill him he thinks when he meets when we meet obara at some point he's fighting obara and doesn't want to but he knows he'll beat her and then the third time this happens is Balon Swan. And Ario looks at Balon Swan and thinks exactly how I would kill this guy right now if I needed to. And it's noted that he thinks Swan would be uh, a tougher challenge, that he's uh, uh, a much more aware person, and that he's a tougher fighter, that he recognizes a game recognizing game kind of thing, where he's like, I can't right. just kill this guy easily. Right. He's not, he's not cocky. And that's, and that's one thing that's a staple in his character. He knows mm. he has skill. But he's not cocky enough to say, okay, I can beat you, I can beat you, I can beat you. No, he properly assesses his opponents. And if there is a point where a challenge could be met, he 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 absolutely acknowledges that and he tries to make plans accordingly to, mm -hmm. to correct for that. So it, it's it's just one of the things that is makes him so great in how he in how he assesses everything, you know. I love it. It's one of those things where it's not characterization in the same way Tyrion mourns his father and killing him and his relationship with um with Jamie, where he's not really thinking about his he's not thinking out his personality, but in this way, Ario is. This is his personality, like we were talking about. Uh so Duran goes along with the ruse. He says, Yes, this is Gregor Clegane's head. Everyone gets pissed. And then he leaves the the feast with the sand snakes and Ario and Hota, where they go back to the Solar. And then like we were like you were talking about earlier, then we hear the real plan. Alicia, mm -hmm. what is the real plan? What was actually supposed to happen and what are they doing what about was it? What's going to happen? You know, Balon Swan, he was there to get Marcella, Tristane, um, you know, Oakheart, and and I believe even Doran was mm -hmm. supposed to be back in the party going back to yes. King's Landing. Now, they were never going to be going to King's Landing. I mean, Marcella probably would have made it, but everyone else from Dorne, they were supposed to have been killed by some bandits on the road, and those bandits would be yelling half-man. <laughs> so for anyone that might be in earshot or anyone that they let survive, they would blame that on Tyrion. And then Balon would get back and say, well, I saw, I saw the imp. He was there with his men and, and he killed everybody. But I, I was able to bring the princess back home safe. And that would have been the cover up for, uh, for, for killing Prince Doran and um, Tristane. But again, like I was saying, Doran already knew that this plan got it. happened. That is why he delayed Balon at each of those castles. So he could make sure he could have them little nodes in to counter correct plans within plans within plans. Mm -hmm. This guy, he's too smart. And, and, and the sand snakes are, they, they didn't even want to believe it until he got to the full end and they were like, wow. All right. All right. So you were doing something. Where are we going now? <laughs> what, what you got, Uncle? We, we, we're here for it. We're here. But, uh, he also all that to finally get them in, in, into the right mm -hmm. perspective and the right thought pattern. That's too much Oberyn. That, that, that's all it is. It's too much of their dad in them right there. They didn't want to, they didn't want to be patient and wait. That's true. He also drops the knowledge. Oh, by the way, me and Oberyn planned out everything. Him going to King's Landing, we talked about it. And they're like, mm -hmm. wait, what? Oberyn was, was okay with you waiting? He's like, yes, he was. We talked about this. We were partners. Um, also, one thing, just want to note, um, at 104 likes, 150, I'm going to put on a silly hat. That'll be fun. But uh, then we get... 
Durant. This is one thing I really, really loved about this. Um, the the meeting between Aryan and Doran, where he reveals the connection to House Targaryen, is kept from Ario, mm-hmm. and it's kept from the Sand Snakes, but Duran reveals all this information as if they are in the most innermost circle now, that they have Duran's total confidence, and even then, he is still holding back still young back. Griffin Daenerys and what Quentin is doing. Quentin never even comes up. It does for Arianne. That's why she found out more of what's going on. The Sand Snakes don't mm-hmm. give a shit about Quentin. They're like, whatever. Okay, fine. He's gone. We don't know where he is, but this in this way again duran manipulates them into doing what he wants he sends so his plan is he goes the other way he um he wants to go by sea whoops doesn't exactly work out um that makes Balon's swan go like oh, uh, no not not by sea you know, that, that, that would that would upset the plans that we already have in motion we have these people here to help us already my, my lord we can't do that <laughs> so yeah so that so that that's how Balon gets them to skirt because if you go by sea I mean, you could maybe wrangle some some pirates up to cash them, but it's not guaranteed. Especially not from Dorne. To pull that plan off. So they have to stay on land where they can control the environment. And sidebar, um, Carl, I, I, <laughs> Carl says plot twist, Matt puts on the hat and takes off everything nope. else. I don't think anyone wants to see that. No. Nope. Sir, no offense. No offense, Matt. No offense taken. I, 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 don't, I don't think anyone wants to go there. Just saying. Hat is thank fine. Chat, Danny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, says Joe Mags and AK. I can dig it. Well, thank you very much for the ten dollars day, in McKay. Um, and Duran has his counter plan ready. He's going to not go back to King's Landing and say he's going to send uh, Nymeria Sand, which I thought was a really interesting choice because she's the one that everyone thinks is most like Oberyn. She looks like him. She acts like him. She's super dangerous in a way that is obviously Oberyn. And she's going to take the seat on the first cancel that, that Oberyn had. It's surprising that he would send her for that, but it makes the most sense. It's also meant as an insult. It, it very true. Very true. If if it hits like all of those markers mm-hmm. at once, and it can't be refused. No. That 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 that's the greatest thing about it. She can't get there, and Cer- Cersei can't send her away. Mm-hmm. There, there's absolutely no way. So so she's going to have to sit and see this little girl <laughs> that looks like <laughs> basically haunts every word that she says in small council meetings. It, it, it it's a brilliant move that it's one of those things like it like it, it seems like the action is small but that's working on cersei's crazy that's already going haywire in her brain and it's going to mess with her even more having to see that face at all of these meetings mm-hmm. also and under- I you, she's never going to miss a meeting no she's going to be there and every single time it's going to taunt cersei in that mm-hmm. she will want to hurt nymeria and if she does marcella's life will be forfeit because marcella's not going back Neither is Tristan. And in fact, Tyene Sand is being sent to embed herself with a high sparrow. So that's one of those things looking forward. Any problem that Cersei has with the, with them, maybe it's Tyene. I I I'm I'm very, very curious to see um what Tyene is gonna do. And if well well no, I can't say if because the girl is skilled. So she's definitely going to be able to to cozy up to the high sparrow mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm i'm wondering exactly where she's going to try to sway them it's is is is, mm. is what my question is and it, it she knows she can't use her body for that 
<laughs> maybe. But well, maybe. But she she she's very clever. You know, the, the, the poisoner. Friends' kids are very very clever. So I'm I'm just excited to see what she's gonna do. And then the third member of the Sand Snakes, uh, Arya Ariane is left out of this. Her mission is not made known to the rest of the Sand Snakes because Doran does not trust them. Obara mm -hmm. has been tasked to find Darkstar. Why is she finding Darkstar? Because they have somehow convinced Marcella to tell Balon Swan that Darkstar no, Dark not Star. only slashed her ear off, he maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but he definitely didn't kill Ari's Oakheart. But that's the story that's going to be heard. And he's mm -hmm. going to be the, the like you were talking about earlier, he's going to be the bait for Balon Swan to not go back to King's Landing, telling them what he knows. And, that, and yep. Obara will be out with Balon Swan hunting Darkstar. I can't imagine a oh, worse place for Balon Swan to be. Man. <laughs> with Obara. Mm-hmm. Of all people. Oh, Obara is... Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, is uh, Oberyn's firstborn. Yes, I believe so. And ooh boy, did she get all of the extra training <laughs> that that goes into being a first, you know, fir firstborn kid. Here, we get responsibilities that some of you bastards don't know about. <laughs> and I can guarantee you, that is the same type of training that Obara got from Oberyn. More than it, most. It she, he's not going to make it out of that alive, and I question that she's even going to let Darkstar make it out of that alive because i i don't think they're going to have that many problems finding him uh they seem to know where he is already he's apparently what? at the high hermitage the uh cadet branch of house dane and i think this oh, is where it gets gosh. interesting because this is where ario gets back into this plot line because like we were saying he's mostly been the watcher he's about to be active we learn in the uh winds of winter sample chapter for arian that ario hota has joined obara sand with obara to hunt Darkstar with Balon Swan. Of a more powerful duo going to find somebody. This isn't looking good for Darkstar at all. Really not good for Balon Swan, who, who Ario's already said, I know how to kill him. <laughs> I don't think he's going to have to. I think Obari will take care of that pretty daggone easily. And oof, oof. It, it's, it's just not looking good. Uh, real quick, let me give a shout out to some of my folks in the chat. Oh, go ahead. So, so I, there, there's a lot of names that I don't know because I think he, I, I know you guys are, are here just for Matt. Hello. Um, um, <laughs> I see you, Chrissy, my sis, um, Santavia, Jordy, Teflon's in the spot. Was good. Oh, Tony Teflon, hey man. In the spot, Carl, Carsnark. What up? Uh, what is this? Luminous Rain, Michelania, <laughs> Michelanius. I like that. Fadar Odinson, Bryson Chung, and there's a bunch of you. Sorry, I can't get to everyone. But just shout out to y'all. I see y'all coming through. I've seen some 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 funny comments in in there, and I appreciate that you guys are engaged in, in the conversation. I was worried I would bore you guys, so I hope no one's Unbelievable. bored. The conversation. You could never bore us, Alicia. Come on. Yeah, I'm just saying. I go off on weird tangents sometimes, man. I'm strange too. Maybe weird. I'm from Norfolk, and I don't know. <laughs> weird tangents are kind of my thing. Um, so one part of why Ario Hota is going with Obara is obviously the camera aspect. You need if if need something's going to happen, you need somebody to see it. None of the characters being mentioned are POVs, but that implies from George, since he is working on more Ario Hota chapters, something's that there's something gonna something's going to you want something to see is going to happen. And yeah, that that's exactly it. We we have. Ario there for a reason. 
And I think that reason's going to be really, really good. Like, there's a lot that is going to happen in the Winds of Winter. I, my fingers are crossed that that it doesn't end up being like um, a, a Feast for Crows, which ended up, which was supposed to be one huge long book with a uh, clash, I think. But then he had, ended up having to split them because it got to be too big. But there's a lot that's going to be going into the Winds of Winter. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping he still keeps it to just one volume. <laughs> all of those without adding in another book. I'm I'm just looking forward to all of this action because it, it it's been setting up a lot. You know, the sample chapters that we've gotten have set up a lot of things, and we're gonna see so much amazing things play out. And it's um I'm just we're ready for it. Germ, come on, man, don't let us down. Especially for unbelievably Ario Hota. Oh, by the way, a super chat from uh, Tawancha Ray, five dollars. Thanks for the ice and fire love. No, thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, so. What, let's let's kind of theorycraft this a little bit. Let's talk right. about what could George want to be showing us with Aruhota? Because we talked about earlier that if there's a conflict, it'll probably be about Duran and Ariane, not about Obara, Darkstar, and Balon Swan, who he already's made up his mind on. Though that's that's unlikely to be what this is for. But yeah, going no to but very interestingly, High Hermitage and House Dane are becoming involved in this, and this could perhaps mean Dawn is going to be put into the narrative. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're finally going to see the castle. Well, yeah, well, you know, Darkstar has this, um, bit, you know, he envisions this great task of himself of, you know, being the one that uh, wields Dawn, the next, mm-hmm. uh, for, for House Dane. And you know he he sees himself as great, but you know he knows he's not the morning star. He's he's the dark star. <laughs> he wants that name to mean more than it does. That's why he wants to go and steal dawn and do whatever random plan for glory is in his head to do. I don't think he's gonna make it. <laughs> he's he's gonna put in an effort, but when you have like the um the Westeros version of Black Widow. And uh, a very, very pissed off Vulcan warrior coming after you. I don't, I don't know how you're going to survive that. I yeah. almost, I almost think that part is the red is a red herring about Darkstar because w- since we know so much of the Queen Maker was set up and scripted for Arion's benefit, Darkstar may be in on the kill Balon or Ares Hokart plan. Like maybe he was supposed to run away the whole time and he's leading them on a merry chase in order to kill the Kingsguard in a way that would be palatable. And since he's already known as a bad guy, perhaps he's willing to do a favor for the Prince of Dorne using his reputation that he'll be rewarded for. Something to think about. That's interesting. That is something that is something to think about. Would Doran put that much trust in him though? All he would really need to do is run away from the encounter. And at that point, Duran has everything he needs to, to create the narrative. And then for, from Darkstar's perspective, let's say that all this was a setup and that he's the bait for the Kingsguard. Duran just says, okay, so you're going to show up here at the, we're going to ambush you with Dart with Ario Hota. We're going to confuse Aryan. You run into the desert back to High Hermitage. We'll send mm-hmm. somebody to meet up with the Kingsguard, kill him or something like that. That could be interesting. And it's also noted that um, Ariane has the massive, massive crush on Darkstar. And 
if 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 he if he if he's gonna be do something more in the narrative it probably will have something to do with Ariette. she brought him in despite knowing he's dangerous despite knowing that it's everything he's doing is could be bad and she's like mm, i like the bad anyway so at least darkstar know he is he still is an ally with young griff with who Arian has made her way to it could be something like maybe a uh like a dark version of arthur dane maybe he joins the king's guard of young griff see and and that's that could be in the in the play for him and that may be one of the reasons why he wants dawn so bad mm -hmm. i mean not just for the clout of having dawn but that would basically be his ticket in to the show yeah so, so that that does fit that does fit he has he really has a complex about arthur dane he really wants to be better than him in the way that's kind of reminiscent of the relationship between john and rob where he sees rob um as the true born the one that gets everything and dark star has the same kind of complaints where it's like well everyone loves arthur dane he gets dawn he gets he he got to be a king's guard everyone loves him and i'm great too but nobody gives a shit because i'm from the wrong side of the family and it's kind of a similar relationship going on there <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, John John was extremely brody when it comes to that. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, with reason to be. With reason to be. Mm -hmm. Darkstar, to me, I, I, I don't know. I feel like he, he's just a, a, a spoiled brat trying to find <laughs> extra that he might not really even deserve. You know, he just seems like one of those guys that's out there in, in the world kicking around like, I'm good. I am awesome. Why the hell doesn't everybody notice? True. Uh, that, that's that's the attitude that I he, he's he's too cocky, I guess. That that's the attitude that I get from Darkstar. I, I don't have very much sympathy for for him in, in on any level, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean that, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean I, I could be reading the guy completely wrong. He could actually be in on the plan with Dorn. And you know, when they go and do what they gotta do and, and Balon uh, Swan gets dead. Ario is the one that comes in and and you know gets Obara hip to the part of the plan so she doesn't kill Darkstar <laughs> and then they go on from there. I, I don't. It it could it could happen that way. I I feel like it would be a bit more interesting if he wasn't part of the plan okay. and and does end up getting got. But mm, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's certainly a puzzle why this plot needs a pov there i think for, for, for me to truly and for everyone in the chat <laughs> yeah why ario hota well not just more why ario hota but why do you need a pov on darkstar obara san and balon swan these are this is something that happened off screen we know george does this all the time there's something very that he has you ha have been shown have to, something you have to see as a reader that's very interesting there um Let's see here. And I think this is a good time to jump into, I mean, we, we slammed Dorn on the show a little bit earlier, but again, he this that is nowhere near the ending we're gonna get. Not even Alaria Sand is so different. Uh, I have a quote here I pulled from it, just to tell you exactly how different Alaria Sand is. Obara mm. bristled. I never did and never shall. She gave the skull a mocking kiss. This is a start, I'll grant. A start, said Alaria Sand incredulous. Gods forbid. I wit it. 
I would it were a finish. Tywin Lannister is dead, so Robert Baratheon, Amory Lorch, and now Gregor could gain all who had a hand in mur murdering Elia and her children, even Joffrey, who was not yet born when Elia died. I saw the boy perish with my own eyes, clawing in his throat as he tried to draw breath. Who else is there to kill? Do Marcel and Tommen need to die so that the shades of Rhaenys and Aegon can be at rest? Where does it end? That is nowhere near show Alaria. In fact, the exact opposite. It was not for the killing at all. She was quite sick of it and done with it. You know, almost from, from the very beginning. You mm -hmm. know, she didn't want Oberyn in that fight to begin with. You know, it, it's, it's a very quick change. This is why I said that she basically got an Andrea-like narrative from The Walking Dead. In the comics of The Walking Dead, Andrea is one of the best freaking sharpshooters and extremely smart in how she goes around helping the team, um, you know, be safe from, from the zombies walking around. <laughs> On the show, if y'all watch, Andrea was one of the most annoying damn characters ever, and ugh, I just, just, ugh. I, that, that, that's what I got from her, and, and I have to say the same for show Alaria is, ugh. Why would you ruin a good character like that? Just, no, you just don't, you don't do that. She's extremely different. I understand that they needed to have someone you know be the bad guy there but that's why you had the sand snakes in there you had obara nim and tyene what did they need alaria for it's all it did unclear. was doing the whole dorn narrative it was ridiculous we were actually supposed to see more dorn yeah than we got but because the fans complained so much about what they were doing they cut out like three episodes that um dr bashir was still supposed to be in Whatever happens to Dorne in the books, it will definitely not be the Oberyn's children killing Duran. It won't be Arya no. going down like a punk. It won't be Alaria San leading it. How do you avenge the royal family by killing the royal family? Uh, how, how that makes sense, y'all? Doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of... My dad is uh, dead, so I'm going to go kill my cousin and my uncle to make it better. Does not what? make sense. And this is... <laughs> There's a lot of discussion about how much the show tells you about the books, depending on characters and plot lines. This is one that I think everyone can agree is absolutely off course. I mean, in these chapters, Duran made the Sand Snakes part of his plots. They are not, they were, they like that, that part of it is true, that they were um, unhappy with him, but he turned them around. They're now a part of the plan. They are not trying to kill him. Exactly. It's, it's, it's so nuts. And I mean, and they, I say, I say they, they, they weren't adversaries. You know, they, they tried to be, but then once he actually showed them the flaws in their actions and the logic of what he knew and what the true plan was and where it could go, they were like, oh, okay, cool. You're not sitting here doing nothing like we thought. You're actually working towards the goal. Mm -hmm. We want in. We're here. <laughs> and that's how it should have worked. That is exactly how it should have worked. But then, oh, we're at 118, y'all. 118? Maybe oh. get to 150. 150 got 20 no oh, 119 now that's 31 to go there's 190 and of you watching i know you can you can slam that yeah, like button and, and I'm, I'm gonna give a i'm gonna give a special shout out to whoever the two eunuchs were that they hit the thumbs down you don't need to be here <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming through for the watch though you know yeah. that that helps with the algorithms we appreciate it <laughs> Uh, super chat here from Frozen Whirlpool. It has something to do with D&D &D thinking that medieval families just kill each other and like, no, they're still family. Yeah, th that's that's true. The, the exactly. Dornish plot should have not been put in the, the way they did it. Like, it was 
they they tried to summarize it and they did it in a bad way. Yeah, a, hor- yeah, a horrible summarization. And that's what they do. They tried to wrap up the whole big wide spectrum of Doran's plans within plans within plans into just a few episodes. And with something that has so many moving parts in the story, you can't do that with him. It it, it honestly would have been better if they would have cut Doran at Oberyn. It's true, and it's, it's especially it doesn't work because they cut out Quentin, Arian, and Young Griff. Those are three it's integral special. parts. You it's can't special. have it without them. It was yeah, the whole thing just falls apart. It's uh, just terrible. Yeah, terrible. Agreed. Ario Hota is not going down like that. The caliber of Doctor Bashir and just waste his skill like that, man. <sighs> Could have done better. Um, so we got about half hour left. So I think it's time to uh, go ahead and take some questions. I got a few from Patreon we can talk to. Also in the chat to start throwing out Q and A. Uh, we'll grab them as we go. Uh, so the first one here from Eric Forig says, "What's your theory on Gregor's skull that was supposedly brought to Dorne?" Everyone agrees. Well, we know Robert Strong exists. Do you think that's actually Gregor's head, or what skull did they use? Like, what what happened there? What what do you th- what is your tinfoil on who it is? See, I I, I don't know. They Gregor Kiglane was a huge guy, and there's not many people around that they could even find a substitute skull for. So I want to say that that is his actual head. And the weird tinfoil is actually still going on in King's Landing Mm -hmm. because you have this guy walking around with a helmet that, you know, you can't really see anything inside of. So I think that's where the, 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 you know, science magic tinfoil is happening. The headless are strong. Yeah, I I think that is actually his skull that they have. Mm -hmm. But, um our you know wizard uh excommunicated wizard in training is is uh working some some trickery with those uh chemicals and potions and whatnots that he pumped into gregor's body and that's what's you know keeping that helmet glued basically to his shoulders <laughs> you know there's there's no neck or head there or he did a but frankenstein I- and there's somebody else's head on there see, see that that's possible you know and, and over, over the years a lot of folks have thought that somehow it would be rob stark's head i i don't know why (laughs) that's a weird one yeah i've never understood that theory but it's it's very popular on in in some of the forums um i i don't think there's a skull there at all i Mm. I think that it's just the uh random magic slash sciencey things that um he's just a goal playing around with and it's probably gonna end up um gonna end up coming to something bad by the time it's over because kyborg kyborg he's an interesting an interesting fellow you know he's someone else i could probably you know talk talk an hour or so about (laughs) with uh just how he sees the world and the things that he does with uh his sciencey magic and i say sciencey magic because he doesn't understand doing and when you look at it, it, I mean, it's kind of like how Thor explained, you know, the the um, Rainbow Bridge to Jane in uh, the, the first Thor movie. It's a mix of science and what we would mm-hmm. understand science and magic, you know, sure. They go hand in hand, but it's just it, it's just a, a weird effect that's going to happen there. I can't say exactly what's going to happen, but at some point in time, someone is going to end up getting a lucky shot in and that helmet is going to be knocked off. Someone's going, and- <gasps> 
with this random headless body that's walking around killing for nothing and it's going to be hella hard to put that down because sure. it's not actual life <laughs> you know? i don't think it's it's necessarily tied to kyburn in any way like not not on like that extra sense like like it's a white or mm-hmm. anything like that but it it for whatever reason whatever he he put into that thing's veins he has some control over it but i think he's going to end up losing that control after it's revealed of what that body actually is because it's not gregor clegane anymore whatever it is yeah robert strong or whatever is the fake name they gave it Mm -hmm. that thing's not human by (laughs) any anymore And, and that's the one thing i'll say that i really love the touch that they did with that in the show when um Cersei sent uh, Sethunella into that room. Dude, Oof. no one deserves whatever was going on in that room with that nope, thing. Nope, 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 nope. That's a bad one. Um, mm-hmm. The other major... However, I will say, she kind of deserved it. Yeah. You, gotta, you, you, mm. you gotta own up for the, sh- for the shit that you do in this, in this realm, you know? <laughs> for karma. Karma comes around and Sethonella, you were not a good person. No. Sethonella, you deserved it. Just saying. That's true. Uh, the other major theory I've heard for whose head that is, is it's noted that quite a lot of... Because uh, Cersei put out a bounty on Tyrion, so people have mm-hmm. been bringing her the heads of every of dwarf. dwarf. And yeah, there's the, there's a theory that maybe one of them was a larger, because it's I think it's noted that Tyrion has quite a large head for his body, and maybe there's some kind of similar thing where there was like like an elephant man kind of skull or something like that, where it's larger than normal, large enough to be maybe passed for Gregor's. Um, if George wants to make that happen, he can. It's a That's reason. Possible. It's a reasonable assumption. They have like seven dwarf heads at this point. Maybe they have more. Um, we know Kyburn's been doing many, many experiments in his little laboratory down there. Yeah, so and they just said a skull. Yeah, I'll, I'll give, I'll give you that. It's possible. I, ha- I have heard that one before. I think that's a lot more plausible than it being Rob Stark or Stark <laughs> head. Yeah, I, I just I don't see any of those two things happening because what would be the point? No one's going to recognize a skeleton. Yeah, and that's what uh, that's what Nymeria brings up, and it's almost for certain Nymeria will be investigating that when she gets to King's Landing. Mm-hmm. She's going to notice that there's a guy walking around the size of Gregor Clegane and wondering if he's dead. Who is this eight foot dude? That's going to be one of the first things that she notices because Gregor, while Sir, Sir Strong, the thing, does not leave Cersei's side. Nope. You know, that that is like her personal guard. So that's one of the first things that Nim's going to recognize and she's going to go investigating. Might not you know, go I, well for her. I doubt that she knows a lot about some of the secret passages around King's Landing, but I think she's stealthy enough to find them. And uh, she's going to be utilizing those and getting around and gathering whatever information she needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm also interested to see what could come about with uh, Sorella because she's in Citadel for something. And I think she's going to be coming back in. And Ario knows, you know, Doran made a point to let Ario know leave her at the Citadel, let her play her game. Unless and she comes back to Doran. I think he's only doing that because whatever she's doing is going to help him out in the long run. So there, 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 there's that connection there mm-hmm. as well. I feel like Ario is going to be sent to get her. That could be true. Time. 
he's not that far away once you go to high hermitage to go to old to go to old town um yep. that would be another interesting way for it to go a uh, question from the chat here uh, nick star 007 says why is there almost no magic in dorn that's that's a really good point we know they're water wizards we know that the danes have a lot of connections to fantasy and yet nothing has showed up is there really no magic in dorn Ooh. Is there really no magic in Dorne? I don't remember any. This is what I was saying in the beginning. Dorne is one of those spots, to me anyways, that has like like some some of those extra magic portals. Mm -hmm. You know, like like the neck. You know, some extra magic things went on there. The next result was it turned into a swamp. Dorne's result was it turned into a desert. Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) So... I'm I'm not willing to say that there is no magic in Dorne. Um, you can say that it's just the layout of the land that helped the people to be able to um, defend against invaders coming in. But I'm sorry, when you are massively outnumbered, there's only so many guerrilla tactics that you can actually pull to get by an army as large as all of the rest of the seven damn kingdoms (laughs) coming into your home after you true so i i think there there's a lot more to dorn like just like aria hota there's a whole lot more to dorn that we don't know about and i think dorn probably is, is in the know with a lot of those you know he he comes from the bloodline of nymeria and nymeria you know, princess of the Ronar had water wizards in their, uh, well, what they call water wizards. I always say they're waterbenders. Same thing. Just a reference for me. And we still have, um, was it the, the children of the green blood that are um, some of the closest to the original Ronar blood than yeah. um, even, even a little bit more so than the Martells are. So I think that there are a few of those, uh, mm. a few of those folks out there. We know how things get passed on by tradition. Not everything is written in the book. You know, it's all passed on through uh, word of mouth. You know, and you, 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 the older folks, they teach the young ones coming up. That is why we still even have the children of the green blood because George wanted specifically to have this still little sect of old Ron- Ronish behavior there. there. There's a reason why they're there. And that's where I think a lot of the magic is going to, um, re, you know, re-enhance itself. You know, we have that uh, child of the green blood that uh, Matt told us about. Her. What, what was his name? Um. Oh, Garen. Yes. So, it, why why else would, would Doran pull one of those guys into the plan if it wasn't going to come up to being something bigger later? Also, a connection to Garen the Great. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I don't think magic has left Doran. I think it's there, but it's being held dormant until Doran needs it to surface. That could be true. There's also, um, there's no, it seems like they maybe have embraced fire magic, if anything. Uh, they they got the original Daenerys. They married her into the Martell bloodline. It's also noted that there's a girl in, um, God, I forget the name of the house. I always forget the name of the house, but there's somebody that has dragon dreams in Dorn. Um, it's, what is her name? House... Somebody in the chat, you guys will remember this. What's the name of the girl in Dorne who has dragon dreams? Because it's also noted that uh, uh there it is, uh Tolland, the Tolland girl. 
House Tolland. Uh, okay. yes, yes, with yes, the yes. Ouroboros uh, dragon eating its tail symbol mm -hmm. for their um for that. And there's also hints of Tiora, I believe is her name. Uh Tiora. Yeah, Tiora. There's also Rainis from Aegon's Conquest, who was shot down, and it's kind of unclear what ever happened to her. Um, there's some very un unhappy unhappy theories that she was not killed in the fall and that she was kept under maybe torture or in a dungeon the rest of her life. I, um, tortured probably in the beginning. I would definitely say they had a use for her, though. And one of the reasons why I do believe that theory that she was kept alive is because of Aegon's reaction when he got that letter. Yes. He felt so strongly about what was in that letter. He crumpled it up so hard, it, it, his fist started bleeding around mm -hmm. it because his nails were digging into his palm. And he burned that letter so no one would ever see it. He didn't even show it to Basenia before he burned it. He read it, got pissed, got his dragon, walked off, tossed that shit in the fire, came back, made the damn peace treaty, and then went back to Dragonstone for like, like a, a few months before he even came back. Why would he act like that? Probably because she's alive, yeah. absolutely no way that he could ever let anyone else in the realm know that a queen of Targaryen, of, the, of House Targaryen, a queen of the Seven Kingdoms was kept captive this long without anyone knowing it in Dorne of all places. This is the reason that, you know, everyone says whatever about Dorne in Seven Kingdoms, but the real reason that the other kingdoms don't like Dorne is because Dorne did what they couldn't do. Mm. None of them were able to beat the Targaryens. Dorne nope. came into the realm on their own terms. They were never conquered. And that is the problem that the rest of the Seven Kingdoms have with Dornish people. They, you know, they, they can frame it all where they're crazy or you know, <laughs> they don't like their, their sexual habits or whatever. No, it's just random hate. They, they just random hate. That's basically it. Dorne did what they couldn't do. So that's why everyone has issues with Dorne. And it's very deep-seated and all that other nonsense. But think about that. If they would, if they, if they would have let that, if Aegon would have let that be known, every rebellion that could have happened would have happened all at the same time. Because that would have been a message to where, oh, wait, it doesn't matter if they have dragons. If we go hard enough, long enough, we can boot them out of here. It's true. It's almost, and it's like a faceless man idea. Would have been ended right there. Hmm. You know, they operate like the Faceless Men, where how do you beat the Dragon Lords at night in bed with a knife? And that seems to be how the Dornish, and the, you know, they're, they're saying for the Martells, the unbound, un, wait, unbound, 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 unbroken. That's their thing. Well, I mean, what, what, the, old, the old princess that, that, that Rainey's tried to talk crap to, this old woman sitting there, no guards around her. Yeah, not did afraid. Not did not care, looked her dead in her eyes like, this is Dorn, bitch. We don't want <laughs> Go, go back and tell your brother that. Come back here. You will get nothing but sand and blood. And what happened? <laughs> we never saw Rainies again, did we? Yeah, about that. Actually, on that topic, Frozen Whirlpool with another Whirlpool. Wow. With another Super Chat, $5. Thank you very much. They're saying, this may be off topic. Why do you think George made a point to add the Yellow Toad as well as give us hints that the Dornish go underground? Uh, I, we're, we're talking about a little bit. We're talking about the ideas of magic and their use of caves and their use of the desert and the natural terrain, almost like a children of the forest uh, battle That's against the Andals. 
That's exactly where my thoughts were going. I, that's why I believe that is one of those magical strongholds that the children had. Because the children, yes, they lived in forests and whatnots, but a lot of their base, their, all their cities were underground. Mm-hmm. That's why we have all those tunnels. That's why George showed Ariane finding that system of tunnels where the, the, um, the fish didn't have eyes in the pond. Because you're living in the dark, you, you learn to be on your other senses. You, you don't need your eyes. Evolution takes them away because they're taking up space that's unnecessary. So when you have a place like Dorne, how do you think all those people were able to hide when like every High Lord's castle was being set on fire? Mm-hmm. We didn't. We we heard like yeah, there were some deaths, but not obviously many. not a lot to stop them from fighting. So they had to be able to go somewhere, and where they went was a lot of those underground tunnels that were hidden. Hear me, dragon, Stephen. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Five dollar super chat. Dungeons and Dragons has ended. Glad you're still going. Shout out to AK. Thank you very much, Steven. Uh, grab another question. Uh, we've got a few more. We're just going to do these quickly. We're ending in about yeah. 10 minutes. Uh, another one from Eric F., one of my patrons. He says, why does Marcella agree to lie to Balon that Hota didn't kill Aris and maybe the Dark Star slash her ear? What's Marcella's angle on this? Why she's is she, she's in love? I, that, we kind of talked about I, that a little bit, yeah. I think it's that simple with Marcella. There. Marcella, if you try to compare Marcella to Cersei, you can't. She doesn't have that that mind for espionage or wickedness or or any of that. She she just doesn't have that in her from everything that we've been shown. <laughs> she her main thing right now is just to be with Tristane. And if she needs to tell this little lie that um you know what whatever happened happened, so she can still be with Tristane, that's what she's gonna do. She you see she's not trying to fight to go back to King's Landing. She's okay with whatever plan keeps her in Dorne with her guy. As far as she's concerned, the Martells and the Dornish have been her friends, except for the yeah, Dark yeah, Star and Ares Oakart deck. She treated her at all. She has gotten the utmost respect and best treatment down there, and she's gotten a freedom that she's never had before. So it makes sense to me that she just wants to stay in Dorne with her mans and be able to do what she 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 don't have to worry about all that extra nonsense that she saw in King's Landing when she's in Dorne. So she's happy. She's young and in love, and she wants to be able to do and chill. So, why not? I tell a little story, and and I get to stay here. Cool. Yeah, I think I think that part is a good point. That she may not even understand the gravity of that lie and what that means, because not even the Sand Snakes are really Ariane really grasp it till Doran lays it out, like exactly what it means that Ares is dead and what they need to do to Balon Swan. This is high level political thinking, and I I don't think Marcella. It, I don't. Many characters don't think on that level of why yeah. this this lie is very important to her. It's right. nothing like, like, like OG just said in chatting. Marcella's living that club med life. She is. Yeah. She's young and she is pampered and she has very very little of the um, o- oppressive responsibilities of a highborn lady would have in King's Landing. So it makes sense to for her to just chill. Yeah. And uh, actually on that topic, um, another one from Eric, he asks, why were the Sand Snakes so incredulous that Darkstar was the actual attacker of Marcella? And that's a, that's a good point. They were surprised to hear it was Darkstar who slashed at the ear, although they understand that Ari, they, there's kind of a chuckle from Obara that they understand that Ario's the one that killed Ari's and that's the story. But they're surprised to hear that he's the one that cut off Marcella's ear. What do you make of that? Hmm. That actually is an interesting tidbit to think about, because no, no matter what 
scenario you could try to spin, it does nothing to benefit Darkstar in any way if it's known that he tried to harm the princess. Like, he, you think about his ultimate goal, you know, he wants to be seen as better than um, Arthur Dane. So how would attacking a princess that he was supposed to be um, somewhat protecting going to mm. work for him? And, it's... and it's, it actually, I, that, 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 I think that might be the answer right there. It's surprising because they know what his motives are. And him attacking a princess doesn't fit with his plan of life himself that makes sense <laughs> if anything it makes him infamous like he's never going to be arthur dane the perfect knight everyone knows he's a shithead well maybe mm. lean into the other way maybe be the worst knight in the world uh this is something me and aziz were talking about a while ago where w if you're thinking about dark star and how he compares himself to arthur dane how would you one-up arthur dane well you can't be better maybe go worse maybe go down and his, yeah be, be the best dark to his light yeah and it's also fitting, fitting for dark star and that seems like something that he would put together. I'm also curious if Darkstar really wants to be the worst person in Dorne, what would make him the worst person? Well, there's quite a lot of kids at the Water Garden. And yeah. Darkstar, if he slashed Marcella, that's clearly not a problem for him. That, that, sets, that sets the precedent that he can go after a kid and not care about it. So, uh, maybe yeah, they didn't... Yeah, didn't something there. It may be that they don't quite understand how dark Darkstar is, I guess. Uh, maybe that's the surprise there. But it also could be that maybe they're not thinking... If there's some sort of strategy between Duran and Darkstar where they're going to lead Balon Swan or Ares Okart into the desert, maybe they're confused at why that would happen. And perhaps it was because they needed to give a reason to chase him. Like, he can't just run away. If he harms the princess, the Kingsguard has to go after him. Yeah, yeah now someone has to go after him. Yeah. It, could, it and, works either way. I think that, that you know, that, that uh, thought that, that you put together there works is he was allowed to leave. Allowed to leave, yeah. yeah Ariel's like, get him, kind of. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, 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 a lot, there's a lot in play. He, Darkstar is another one that has a lot of moving parts around him and not all of the parts are readily known so it's he's he's one of those few that are a bit hard to predict where exactly mm -hmm. he's gonna end up and why definitely i think that's part of the reason like we were talking about why ario has a pov on the hunt for dark star well there's yeah. something more there there's something yeah there that we have to see it can't happen off page mm -hmm. it has for it to fully make sense and to tie into everything else we have to see it happening definitely yeah. so I think we've done a really good job here of telling you guys that Aryo Hota is worth paying attention to, rereading oh, yeah, these chapters. He's a man. <laughs> he's a faceless man. Oh, yes. Of course. And that, you know, th this is considered one of the more boring chapters by most readers, but, you know, there's a lot more there. If you, if you dig, yeah, there, there's a lot more going on with Aryo than, than folks realize. And I, I think both of us, uh, uh, you know, as, as we're, we've been going through it, we're finding out that there's a lot more going on with this guy than folks think, and I, I find it pretty awesome. And that the best is probably yet to come with Ario, because he has not oh. had his conflict in heart with itself yet. That's still coming for him, George's mantra for how he likes to test his character. So <laughs> something's coming with Ario, and it's going to be in the Winds of Winter. Because I also, just like on a side note, I don't think either of us expect him to live through the Winds of Winter. He's probably dead. Mm. Oh, interesting. Maybe. Maybe. It, it really depends on 
how fast certain plots may happen. I think Doran, like I said, Dor- Doran's a long game player and he needs Oreo next to him to, to, you know, make sure a lot of his plans stay on track. So I think that is probably a bit of the plot armor that is going to keep Oreo for at least as long as, as Doran is alive. If Doran gets killed, then yeah, Oreo is going to be up for grabs. But as of right now, <laughs> I feel like he's solid. He's at least going to make it past this book. I feel if like- Doran I feel like he has all the homeworks of one of the characters that as he's pruning down the POVs that Ario is an extraneous one that he, I don't think he'll keep past the winds of winter. Like if he's trying to actually make these one book and he's trying to streamline the process and get to the end, then you, you have REN still, you, all the plots are converging. Ario is kind of superfluous once you get to that point. He's not now, he still needs to be here for the winds of winter, but I'm not sure beyond it. Right. Right. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you that. Yeah, same same with Dorn. Same with Dorn. You know, if if he lives past the winds of winter, I think there's a very strong chance that Ario will as well. They're they're I I feel like they're tied together. Mm. That makes sense. So I think that's about it. That's been about two hours. Um, Alicia, why don't oh, you tell wow. people where they can find you? Time flies yes. when you're talking about Ario Hota. I, apparently, apparently, <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad that we were we were able to you know keep the conversation going. And thank you guys for for you know the comments you were throwing up in the chat for us mm-hmm. to think about as well. Um, you can uh, find me on my channel. You know, just search my name. I will pop up. We'll always say you'll find me on my friend's channel a lot quicker than you'll find me on my own. Namely, uh, Monero Geek TV. Me, her, and the Mad Queens. Um, hopefully, we'll be getting back to doing stuff. Uh, next week we were supposed to do one earlier today but Manoa hurt her back so we had to uh reschedule that we'll we'll talk about that uh later on um tonight i do believe i'll be on with jd the dragon and luke from uh drawbridge media we're going to talk about the land book three um alliances i believe by alaron kong if you don't know that series please get into it because it's a pretty awesome very action-packed series and i encourage you to get the audible uh audiobooks because the narrator is great and there's sound effects and all types of cool stuff going on in the background with that story. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, I don't think I have a whole lot coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, again, k- keep an eye on Monero Geek TV's channel because that's where the Mac Queens are doing a lot of our streams over the next couple months. Um, and just stay tuned. Every now and then I pop up on my channel with some, some randomness. You know, y'all know I love tinfoil, so. Every now and then I get that tinfoil bug and I got to, you know, put my random ideas out there. So stay tuned. An instinct after my own heart. I love throwing up random tinfoil. (laughs) It's kind of what half my channel is at this point. Um, uh, For me, obviously, um, the this coming tuesday as i do on every tuesday at 7 p.m i play crusader kings 2 with the game of thrones mod um there won't be a corn stream this coming weekend it will be the next weekend because i have to work so um look for it doesn't stop for the streams yeah it doesn't stop so that will be august 1st will be the next uh corn stream um I think maybe gray area is going to be on that one. I, I don't remember. I think it's going to be gray. Um, again, thank you very much, Alicia, for coming. Uh, if you want to oh, support me, it's been a pleasure. If you want to support me, uh, patreon.com slash Joe magician, where you can get access to my private Slack. Uh, you can get access to patron only content stuff ahead of time, art from San Rixian, all that other kind of cool stuff. And oof, yeah. Um, 
didn't get to the hat this time. We'll get it next time. I'm sure we will. Um, Close. So I only need 11 more. Sorry, guys. Unless you can get in the last few, in the last like 30 seconds before I hit end stream. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll see you guys then. And thank you very much for watching and spending your Saturday with us. I'll see you later. Yes. Bye, guys. And